Welcome back. This is Dr. K in for Mark Steiner here on the Mark Steiner Show. Today we are doing a city council roundtable talking about Baltimore City, Mayor Catherine Pugh, the minimum wage, the city council's budget, and a host of bills that our guests have been introducing over the last couple of weeks. And we want to hear from you. Call us at 410-319-8888. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner or at K Whitehead. You can visit us on our Facebook page or on www.steinershow.org. We have city council folks in the studio and they want to hear from you. Joining us to talk about all things news is Councilwoman Shannon Sneed from District 13. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We also have Councilman Robert Stokes from District 12. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good. And we also have Councilwoman Mary Pat Clark from District 14. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for uh, inviting us. Yes, I feel like we're in the middle of the Hunger Games with all these districts being represented, right? Right. So we're (laughs) going to jump right into it. And how we're going to go through this whole hour with talking about this, I'm going to introduce a topic and then we'll figure out whose bill it is and they'll comment on it. And if other bills come up, they're going to talk about that as well. And if you have a question about a bill or a concern where you have your council folks in the office, do call us, 410 319-8888. Councilwoman Sneed, let's start with you. Right. Uh, what's been dominating the news, of course, is the $15 minimum wage. Uh, when Mayor Pugh campaigned, she campaigned on the fact that she was going to raise the minimum wage in Baltimore City to $15. That apparently is not going to happen. Can you give us an update and your thoughts about where we should go from here? So it's funny. Um, we are disappointed that 15 uh, didn't pass. Um, I think it would have had a huge impact on the folks in Baltimore City. Um, I, as well, campaigned on this, saying that uh, when I knocked on doors and folks said they wanted more jobs and they or they worked two and three jobs, they would like to work one job um, and just make a decent wage to be able to take care of their families. Uh, I said I would definitely um, take this on and I would champion my other city council members to do the same. And so when we got sworn in in December, um, it was a great thing. Councilwoman Mary Pat Clark was already working on it and she brought us in. And so we did our part in taking it home. We immediately uh, had a um committee hearing. We brought in folks to testify on the pros and the cons. Um, I think it's very important to always hear both sides. Um, But to me, um, for the folks that were living in Baltimore City that were um, voting us in, uh, wanted to see 15. Um, They wanted to see that. And so where we are today is saying we are not giving up. We are looking for different avenues where folks can make more money. Um, Just recently Um, Mary Pat Clark and I were at um, Women in Construction Um, (laughs) and so they talked about these were women talking about making um, $35 an hour you know and so that which would be great great. (laughs) they are now the breadwinners of their home so I'm saying and we have always talked about trades and having skills as well in this council and so we're just pushing I believe that and making sure um, I've heard Councilman Stokes in the past um, actually talk to Dr. Dr. Santalise is talking about having trades in the schools and connecting more kids to trades. And so when they get out, it won't be folks don't have skills. I don't want to pay them $15 an hour. It will be these young people and their parents and the kids under them have skills. And we want to see them make $35 an hour. So, so we're going forward. And so I want to come 15 over to the goes to 35 yes. That's what happens when yes. you, when you 
don't approve it. We'll go higher. Yes. (laughs) Well, then, Councilman Clark, let's talk about the work you're doing. You are known for never giving up. I've been checking around Um, people. We're not giving up on this. She does not give up. So can you talk about the work that you're doing to make sure this happens in some way, shape, or form? Well, there's there's a number of avenues, and I even thought of one as I I was driving over here today. Thanks so much (laughs) for asking. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is, I've spent... I've spent two terms, um, two years, um, trying to get $15 passed here in Baltimore City, and I am devastated, frankly, that we failed after getting 12 votes on third reader, wow. uh, and, it, and the mayor vetoed it, um, really, in four days. So, basically, um, it's devastating to me. Um, Yes, we have other expenses that we have to deal with. We have other issues. The schools, the consent decree, right. we pray. Um, and and that, is the, that is the case. But there are ways that um, the costs have been exaggerated for the $15 and that um, we were victimized by those kinds of numbers, inflated numbers, but also by... Um, the usual scare tactics: We're leaving town. We're, we're you know, we're not, we're not going to open businesses here. We're closing down. Uh, so, it's not the case. Overwhelmingly, the people of Baltimore support this. Uh, Ninety-eight thousand of the many people who live and work in Baltimore are actually living um, in at poverty, and they are unable to support their families no matter how many jobs they work. And that's wrong, and it keeps the city separated and apart, and it keeps whole thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, because their families, um, underwater and not able to fully participate in life, let alone in the future of the city. Councilman Stokes, I want to bring you into this, and then we want to get your calls. People are calling with a lot of questions. Uh, just for the last you know, stand, we need to just kind of set this up. What is the real cost of a $15 minimum wage on small businesses, uh, on people in the city. I mean, it's, it seems to make sense, but if you look at a small business versus, say, a Target, should Target pay $15 and, say, kind of Red Canoe and Zeke's, for example, smaller stores pay less because the cost is too great? So what are we really talking about here? Well, I think the small business, um, I asked them during the uh, hearings about did they bring in any uh analysts to come in and, and, and present it to the council because you gotta when you come with numbers you don't it's nothing there so maybe if they brought in someone uh, for Morgan their um, economic um, department to come in and do an analysis on how it affects the small business and an actual worker right. because I think when you raise $15 an hour which is great but then you gotta pay the supervisors that that work also, so the cost to me would go up, but I supported it the first time. The votes wasn't there for the veto the second time, but I think we need to move past that and see how we create opportunities, path of opportunities for our young folks. Looking at some curriculum, I want to go over to Delaney High School, which has a great curriculum program, and see how they program work so we can use that program in the school system, sit down with the unions. The unions were behind pushing the $15 an hour, but I'd like for them to now let's look at how we don't have to wait for $15 an hour. We give them a path of opportunity so they can make $30 an hour, but they actually have a skill 
so they can move. If they want to leave out of town, they still have a skill that they can take with them. So I want to put together the unions, the school system, and, again, go to Delaney High School and see how their curriculum works and, and try to implement it in the school system. Well, try Merville and Carver while you're at it, and I think that we'll find that we have plenty of skilled people. We keep being accused of not having skilled workers. Right, we we need skilled people for these $15. Um, how do you get skilled? You get a job. You get a chance. You get trained. Absolutely. And, and yes, I totally agree. Unionization has got to come back into Baltimore big time. But to do that, unionization, unions have got to open their doors big time to women, to minorities, to African-Americans, to young people, to city residents, so that, and that is a challenge. So, Mm -hmm. and that has been what has stood in the way, but I see changes coming in the leadership as well as in the policies of unions. So I agree with my colleagues that we do that, but that's no substitute for $15, and it wasn't the next day. It was $15 right. in 2002. By 2020, right? By 2022. 2020. Right, okay. For large employers, like Target, right. who we are subsidizing right, right. with that's Section 8 food stamps they get and everything daycare there. vouchers because they're not paying an adequate living to the people they employ. We're paying the adequate living for the the big companies. The small companies we gave them till 2026 yes. to actually get to 20 to $15 an hour. So and it's a fact when you talk about um, how would it impact um, smaller business. Well, it's a fact that when people are making more money, they spend more money. And in my community, when folks can't make it to the county to uh, purchase different things, the folks in my community normally stay right in our community yeah. um, right. to purchase everyday items. And so if folks had more money, then they will spill, spend more money in our community. It's a shame that in District 13, you have a plethora of liquor stores in our community. You have all the bad things that we don't need in our well, community. Well, tell us the boundaries. Where, where, where so exactly District 13 is so for So District 13 is in East Baltimore. We're right around uh, Johns Hopkins Hospital. Mm-hmm. We start about like Fayette Street, but we have on the other side of Butchers Hill when 2011 okay. we got transitioned in. We go as far as Gay Street, um, actually, and then we go all, all the way over um, like you're going towards the county. We stop at Shannon Drive, actually, okay. right along the park. Well, what's Herring it named for you? I and know, you deserve that <laughs> honor. <laughs> we come right around Armstead Gardens, we okay. wrap around there as well. And so um, it's, it, it's, it's huge, the, the population that we um, impact, because we have people on every skill in our district. So you have folks making six figures, and then you have folks living below the poverty line. And right. so that's a community, Elwood Park, that I live in, that folks are living below the poverty line um, that need help and that would have helped them. Like, I literally knocked on thousands of doors, and the number one concern that still came up is jobs in our people communities. Yes, people want jobs, and I'm working. Shannon, I'm already working two and three jobs. How are you going to help me not work that many jobs? And that's a fact. When folks are spending more time at home with their kids, with their children, crime is down because then I can watch my own kid. I can be involved in their lives. And so when folks are working and they're away from the home just to not even provide all the things, all the everyday things that they need, it's ridiculous. It is the working poor. 
Now, I just want to jump in here because if you're just joining us, you're listening to The Mark Steiner Show. It's Dr. K. And we are talking with uh, city council representatives about the $15 minimum wage. We have a number of calls, and we want you to pick up the phone as well at 410-319-8888. You have an opportunity to talk to Councilwoman Sneed and Councilwoman Mary Pat Clark and Councilman Robert Stokes. They are here to answer your questions. First up, we have Leo. Leo, good morning. Welcome to The Steiner Show again. Yes, good morning, Dr. Yeah, welcome K. back, sir. <laughs> and, and, and good morning to all your distinguished city council people. Uh, Mary Pat Clark, you've got guts. And I <laughs> thank, thank you. you for your... So I do you, Leo. You your, your courageous leadership over the many years that you've served the public. Well, business. we're not done yet, Leo. Neither well, you well, nor me. My, my solution, Dr. K, and, yes, sir. and everyone who's listening, is that I want to get rid of those council people who don't have the courage of their conviction. If you've got 12 votes on third reader to bring into existence a $15 minimum wage, those folks should hold to their standard of commitment by overriding the mayor's veto, and they didn't do it. And that includes my city councilman, Eric Costello, in the 11th city council district. As far as I'm concerned, he's got to go. Sharon Green Middleton, who knows better, the wife of a labor leader in this city, very prominent labor leader in the middle Atlantic state, Sharon Green Middleton didn't hold her conviction. She came out, as I understand it, for it in the beginning, but she doesn't want to override, and she's backing off. Now, Leo, Leo. Um, uh, we wanted to let you finish because we want to have Councilwoman Clark. She wants to respond I, I just want to say one saying. thing. Councilwoman Middleton was, nice. was out of the country, and could I could not even, we could not reach her by phone. If she was someplace, you couldn't reach her, and she didn't get back till... Um, and, Brandon, and Brandon Scott was out of the country, too. Okay. Okay. Well, well, I mean, people were out of the country, there? but we we are still here. I'm going to say right, thank you so much, to... Leo. Now, let me have you wrap up because I'd like to have Councilwoman Clark respond to that because what you said in the beginning is the ways that people in this city can begin to mobilize to change the people that are in office. I mean, one of the ways that I, I've seen that people are talking about, if you want to change who's in office, then you need to consider running because now is a time to open up. If you want changes, you have to work for changes. So, how can people continue to mobilize the council folks that are currently in office, because we can't impeach them today, that are currently in office, what can we do to get them to work harder for what we want? Like, what can we do? Come to meetings? Send out petitions? Like, what do you think? And this is for but, all of you. So I don't... So Councilwoman Sneed? I see this council... Um, we may not stand in position with all the same on every issue, but I see this council coming in every day, working hard or in their communities. And so while we might not agree on every issue, I still think you're only um, three months in. And so there are so many other things that have to get done that I hope folks won't be judged off of one decision. I hope that folks will be judged off of, uh, a number of things that they do. Like, I ran because I didn't think that we had um, someone in our community that was advocating for me um, and, and my family and the people that surrounded us, that they weren't available, that you couldn't reach them when you call. I'm hearing that when you call us, um, this new council, folks pick up the phone. When you want to meet with folks, folks meet with you. And so those are all the things that make a difference. So though we may not been um, 
folks may not have stood with us all the way through on this issue. There are still a number of challenges that we have to tackle in Baltimore City, and I'd much rather tackle this with the crew that we have now, who I know that they are for education, that they are for putting money in our schools. They are for um, the people of Baltimore City, um, and so I hopefully they'll come around. Well, I think um, what I'd like to say in response, and I agree with my colleague, and by the way, she did a great job as chair of the committee that got 12 votes out of committee onto the floor for uh, $15, and we just needed the next step. So what do we do? So we can't burn our bridges. There's not another election in the city council until 2020. Many, many things are going to happen between now and then. Um, And so we have to go forward, like, for example, with... um, uh, Councilwoman Sneed's bill that I hope she gets a chance to describe about we displaced workers. But I do want to say this $15, don't forget it. Mm-hmm. Don't forget it, and don't forget that we need a comeback. And we will, once we find pathways, we will be out there talking about it because it will involve the whole population, which overwhelmingly supports yes. this this effort. So that but also next year is a state election 2018 so now the the mayor has said she's going to work uh, with the general assembly we need a statewide bill hey the mayor's house senate was a senator there so let's all begin to make that part of the state's agenda when yes. they come into office next time. Well, right. And that's going to take huge statewide yes. effort, but let's do it. Well, you yes. know, actually, I want to have, uh, if I can, I'm just going to jump in, because we really haven't heard from Councilman Stokes. I'd like to pull you well, into the Well, again, until sir, the $15 come back up, yeah. I, I still think we should create the pathways for the for those persons, our young people especially, because a lot of our young people are not going to have the opportunity to go to college. So when they leave high school, they should be able to use their hands in terms of becoming a master electrician. So we have to create those pathways so we don't always have to fight for $15 an hour. If we have a great education system and invest the kind of money in, in the budget for education, then we can uh, make that happen but make sure we have that curriculum because there's only two schools, and Councilwoman said, Carver and Mervo. When I went to high school, oh, and we oh, had a, west side, Edmonds and yeah, Westside. But yeah. we had a lot of trade schools within the schools that that's right, not there yeah, anymore. Yeah. So we need to look at that for right now until the fifteen dollars. And I I said it at the hearing. I asked the the, the business people, you, you you come in and lobby us for fifteen dollars an hour. Did you go to Naples and talk to your legislators? Oh, they right. have. So right. we they need have. them. But they need, but the election need is coming again. up, so we want to we want to work with our legislators in Annapolis. But we want those same business people that came to our hearing to, to lobby us for fifteen dollars an hour. Now go down to Annapolis and start talking to the, the senators, the governor, and the state legislators, so we can all work together. And so what the mayor says, a hole in the donut. Yeah. Well, let, let me get another so. caller in here. Uh, Clarence is calling in. Clarence, good morning. Welcome to the Mark Steiner Show. Thanks for taking the call. No problem. Um, um, Good morning to all of you. Mr. Clark, um, this is just an opinion and maybe a a correct or incorrect observation on on my part. The liquor industry seems to be getting a pass in Baltimore City, Um, all the way from the the manufacturing and the import into the state to locally where it's distributed, you know, in the bars around the city. Now, the biggest increase in any activity i think in baltimore city has been the um leisure and entertainment in and around mm-hmm. you know yes in and around the harbor that was on so purpose 
So why is why is the liquor industry getting a pass on this? Nobody, I've heard nothing about an increase in the um, sale of liquor um, across the counter or anything like that. That would be the most obvious place to me. Um, based on the increase, if you wanted to increase revenue coming into the city, they seem to be getting a pass. Would you disagree? Um, they or would have been you? covered by the $15 minimum wage, just like every other employer. And maybe I'm not understanding, but um, but, but in our in our current uh, transformed zoning code, for example, we're phasing out a number of liquor establishments that are in uh, residentially zoned locations, and they have two years to phase out. So, but I think I'm missing. I, I'm not really addressing what you're saying because I'm yes, not quite I, sure. I was speaking in reference to the sale, the like Tax. the bars that sell liquor okay. and shots across the counter, like in hotels. Okay. Specifically. Okay. Yes, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Clarence. I'm gonna go on to the next call. We have Joe on the line. Joe, good morning. Welcome to the Mark Steiner Show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, I just want to say that I just think that, uh, you know, as a Democrat, I just think it's everything uh, that is uh, we fight for. And for her to just veto this, it's just very hurtful to me to watch, you know, uh, single parents or not even even parents or young kids working for peanuts in these, you know, uh, fast food restaurants or department stores. And I just don't understand how, you know... She got away with that. That just so that baffles me. And you know, for us to throw a, you know millions and millions of dollars to uh, you know uh, Under Armour to build a neighborhood of make believe on the other side of town and not take care of a obvious problem right here, it just baffles me. I just don't understand how that woman got away with that. And you know, I liked her and I supported her, but I just I don't now. I just think it's the uh, it's, it's, it's a strong mayor form of government, and okay. a veto is. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, um, look, I'm I'm pretty broke up myself, but I've got to. But I got I've, I've I took a long nap, and I'm up and running and looking for pathways to get this 15 another way. Okay, well, let me get one more phone call in here before we go to our break. Joe is calling. Um, no, not Joe. Jay is calling about the $15 minimum wage, which is a very big concern. Jay, good morning. Welcome to the Mark Steiner Show. Uh, how's everybody doing? We're doing Good. well. Thank you. Your question, very quickly, sir. Um, I, some of the my, some of my favorite places are small businesses like pastry shops or coffee shops that aren't Starbucks or consignment shops. I don't understand how they would be able to make it or even hire employees if they had to do fifteen dollars an hour. That means I would have to go to all these big franchise stores that I don't like. May I respond uh, to that? That yes, we have so a much, schedule. Jay. Um, Jay, thank you for your interest in small business. Basically, if you have sm- fewer than 50 employees, you're labeled a small business in the law that got vetoed. And that means that you're already, they're already getting state minimum wage raises up to 10, 10 uh, in two years from now. And then what we would do is add 60 cents more an hour every year but they would not get to $15 until 2026. Actually, by that time, I don't care who vetoes what. We're going to be at 15 if we want to have anybody working for us. Yeah. So, Councilwoman Snead, did you want to add to that? So, I would j- wanted to say exactly what Mary Pat Clark said, that 
in that time for a small business, they would have nothing to worry about. And then again, um, for the small businesses that are in our communities, we forget when you pay people decent wages in yeah. our communities, they'll spend money there. When you think about the young people um, that work in clothing stores, they spend their money right at that right. store. I used they're, to. they're able to provide for their families and help their families out. So, and remember that it wasn't people, unfortunately, I think was crazy, but it was still done because we were trying to do a compromise on both sides that folks uh, 18 to 21 were, I mean, up to 21 were carved out of it. So you have these young folks working and they still wouldn't have been getting paid right. $15 and an hour. You could have hired them. And, and it was a controversial issue, but the president wanted it because he was afraid they would never get work otherwise. And um, so we supported it. And yeah, uh, we supported his amendments, right? And uh, well, even though there was a lot of angst about them, yes, because at seventeen, I said seventeen he, years old, he, I was he, on, on yeah. my own. Well, now, yeah, I'm going to jump in here because we need to take a short me break. Me too. Um, because <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. This is Dr. K sitting in for Mark Steiner here on the Mark Steiner Show. When we come back, we are going to turn our attention away from the $15 minimum wage because yeah. we can continue with that. We're going to talk about workers. the displaced. Thank you very much, Councilwoman Clark. We are going to talk about no, the displaced service workers said. protection. We're going to talk about the crossing guard cuts. Yay. We're going to talk about the subcontractors not getting paid on time. We're going to talk about folks who want to run for mayor. I'm no president. Oh, what? And what council and Stokes is set up for that. Are you, are and then we'll also there? talk about the inner harbor. We That's want you to stay with us and join us at 410 319 8888. This is Dr. K. I'm listening. Welcome back. This is Dr. K sitting in here for Mark Steiner on the Mark Steiner Show. We are in the midst of a city council roundup. We spent the first half hour talking about the $15 minimum wage, the fight that is going to continue uh, being led by Councilwoman uh, Mary Pat Clark because she does not give up. Onward. Uh, she's here. She's in District 14. Very quickly, Councilwoman uh, Clark, give us the boundaries for District oh. 14. Oh, let me just say it goes from east to west in the north center of the city. It goes from Hamden and Remington across um and the center of it is green mount avenue okay uh and it goes from green mount east all the way to bel-air road excellent and, okay uh, 25th to cold spring thank you we have councilwoman sneed on here from district 13 good morning welcome back thank you and we also have councilman stokes uh from district 12 could you start by giving us the boundaries of district 12 and then if you can also go in to talk about your bill about subcontractors not getting paid on time okay um, my boundaries, I basically probably would name communities more. Uh, okay. Remington, I go all the way down to uh, the Belvedere Hotel, which is on Charles and Chase. We're over, okay. overlaps with Co Councilman Costello. I, I have Perkins uh, Development, which overlaps with Councilman Zeke Cohen. But I go all the way over to North Avenue, which covers Broadway East, South Clifton Park, um, Dolly Park, which overlaps with Councilwoman Clark. Yeah. Uh, so Oliver and a, it goes all the way up to Charles Village, a little bit of Charles Village and Old Goucher and uh, Greer, which is Greater Remington Improvement Association. So it's a very large, diverse community that I have. Okay, and if you wanted to talk about the bill, the subcontractors not getting paid on time. Well, 
I have been getting calls in terms of uh, subcontract. You have your general contractors and your subs, and a lot of times the subs don't get paid on time. Councilman Stokes, I'm so sorry to break in here. Uh, we need to break to Julius White, our WEAA news director. He has breaking news that needs to go on the air now. Thank you so much, Julius. Uh, here on WEAA, we definitely break in for breaking news. We are the source for your community to give you what is happening in and around Baltimore City and around the world. Uh, we're going to go back to Councilman Stokes. We're in the midst of a city council roundup, and he was taking us through his new bill about subcontractors not getting paid on time, well, sir. Well, minority contractors, I have been getting calls um, about their getting paid late. So what happens is they can't pay their vendors, they can't pay their employees. So I decided to put a bill in, and I was very fortunate that the whole council supported it. So we're going to have a hearing, bring in Department of Public Works, um, uh, DGS, um, Department of Finance, minority contractors, uh, wage enforcement, so we can find out, is the city actually paying the general contractors late, which in turn pays the subs late, which means they can't pay their vendors, and it creates a problem because then they can't bid on other uh, on other contracts right. because they have a, a, a track record of not paying their employees, and sometimes the employees leave, or some of the general contractors, when they hire the subs, they are now hiring the sub-subs, so the sub that comes in as a sub now Nasty push, business. Yes. Come, comes out cheaper. It's cheaper for them to hire the sub sub. So the sub right. that hired the sub now is gone. So what I, the bill actually saying is the city paying on time. We need to find out. Or is the general contractors paying late, which make the subcontractors put them behind and, and they're paying their employees and they um other people that work for them. So. Can you also very quickly, uh, before we move on to Councilwoman Snead, talk about the other bill you had about someone who wants to run for president, if you can just kind of explain well, that as well. There is a bill in Annapolis um, on uh, presidential candidates, vice president, presidential candidates that run for president and vice president have to um, um, give their taxes for the last five years. And this is a bill in Annapolis, but my uh, resolution is in kind of in reference to Maryland, Maryland is one of 23 counties that actually um, put that uh, bill nice. in. So we wanted to make sure those candidates that run for president, vice president, within 65 days of them filing or before they file, they need to um, um, submit their income tax for the last five years. And that's the <laughs> so only we'll way. we'll get the income tax <laughs> one way or we, another. We will get that's the, the only way. Tax. That's the only way you can get on on, on the presidential to be a run president in Maryland. Uh, that's going to be a requirement. And it has nothing to do with no party. Is any party candidate runs. Oh, so if we, we wish we could go back in time. And it's really yeah, good, you know? hindsight. <laughs> but year, least, I'm telling you. Four years goes by fast. Oh, it, it, it's going to fly by. In fact, it feels like we got to 100 days already. I'm going to turn to you, Councilman Sneed. I um, want to talk about this new bill you have. First, your work, you know, getting 12 signatures. I do want to make 12 votes. I want to make that note that that was very important. Councilwoman Clark mentioned that, the work that you did to spearhead that. I think when you do things, people should be aware that their councilwoman is not Aww. just working for them in their district, but also working for the city. Aww. So, yeah, thank you for that. No, thank you. Yeah, so let's so, talk about displaced workers. service workers protection, 17-48. Yes. So when we first got into the office, um, that same, I want to say two weeks later, one of the um, 
folks that work in the building um, who clean the building said, hey, nice knowing you. Knowing you. It seems like you'll do great work. Um, I just want to let you know that we're coming up on our last day. And I was like, what? You know, where are you going? And so she explained to me that um, there was going to be a new contractor coming in. And so she would be losing her job. And so the first question, well, do you have another job? And so she said, no, she was a little worried, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, it's something we have to do something about this. And so um, I just started working, figuring out what we could do. And so um, we saw that we actually could put in a bill that said, hey, if you are a contractor, guess what? You cannot just come in and fire people. You have to hold them for at least 90 days. Um, show that they let them show that they're good workers, that they come on time. Because everyone that we talked to in the building said, hey, they have left money out. They have left, you know, jewelry out. And it had still been there. And so I'm like, we want to keep those people. You know, those are great right. people. And so um, and not only that, if this new contractor comes in, you have to find new people because they don't already have folks on the roll. Right. And so it's not like they have people waiting, ready to take over these jobs. They don't. And these are the people that are, again, that are uh, that would benefit from the $15 as well, but most importantly will benefit from having well, a job. Well, they living wage. Yeah. Right. So we needed them to make sure um, that all contractors are, are, and, and, and who work in Baltimore City buildings who um, are, are, are labor-driven, um, make sure that those folks um, are not just getting thrown away, that no matter who comes in, what company comes in, that they still have a job if they are doing good work. We just want to protect people that are doing good things in Baltimore City. So, Excellent. So now is there things that people can do to help? I mean, in terms of, yeah, I so mean, just because people that might not understand the process of what does it mean to put a bill on the floor, to work the bill through, is there anything the public can do? Yes. Okay. So we are actually, um, we just put it in on Monday. We're going to have, it has to go through um, second and third reader. We'll have a hearing. So folks can keep checking the website, baltimorecity.com, um, go into the calendar, and it'll have all the hearings um, that we have there. Um, and so when it comes up, we'll be letting people know. I say I blast everything out on social media and um, and Twitter. And so we'll keep updating it. Um, so our colleagues signed on. So I don't think this bill will be vetoed. I think my <laughs> colleagues will see this through. Uh, they all supported it. And so especially my colleagues here who are a champion uh, of what I do in Baltimore City Council. So they, they want to see this well, through we, as well. We, we, we helped to actually we were lucky we say if anybody wants to know it's important the workers that were about were saying goodbye to us yeah got to stay because yeah. but the reason was this we needed this law but what happened was that the new contractor Bailed backed out. out yeah and so the old contractor was brought back in with all the people mm -hmm. so and now what we need is to Make, Make sure, sure that that no matter what happens, people have that 90 days to prove themselves to a new contractor. And um, I think it's a very, very good bill. And it's my first a, piece of legislation. Well, it's a it's great a, one. It's a, it's, it's a bill, you know. It's not Excellent. And as a, a law. As a yes, co-sponsor, I think it's a great bill. I think it affects not just the 12th, the 13th, or the 14th district. It, create, it, it supports the whole city. And we try in the city council not to put a bill in just for our district, but how it can affect everybody in Baltimore City right. in a good way. All right, and so, okay. Councilman Clark, this is, I mean, I'm saying last bill, but not least, because we have a little bit more time to talk. Oh, good, but we yeah. want you to specifically address the bill about the crossing guard cuts. Exactly what is Okay, that? here's what I know, and I'm very excited about it, and this is what I mean about not burning bridges. Um, basically, um, we have a resolution. Uh, it's a resolution 
about bringing in the, and it's going to be heard by the uh, budget committee of the council on April 19th. So it's coming right up. Here's the deal. Um, Finance has been cutting crossing guard positions every year since 2015. Wow. So that since the beginning of the school year 2015, we've lost 64 uh, crossing guard positions. We've abandoned 30 crossing locations. So we've lost 64 guards personnel. We've had to abandon 30 corners where there used to be crossing guards. And that the budget has reduced crossing guards to only two hours a day, which makes it impractical for anyone to work and then have any other work in between. So So how do you get students safely to school? Well, yeah, this is a crisis. (laughs) So we put the bill in, and the mayor... I responded already. We haven't even had the hearing, but we're having the hearing just to get it clear. But she has said to us as a group and in a press release, the four hours will stay, no two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we're putting more money in to fully fund and implement the crossing guards. So by the 19th, and, and that was in a press release. So basic from the mayor. So basically, um, our hearing is like maybe a celebration yeah. where we will get clear how many guards are funded, et cetera, and, and how many corners can yeah. be refilled. I think it's it interesting that the money is funneled through the police. It has to be by law. And yes. so, and then I thought it was great that Councilwoman Middleton said that we should do an apprenticeship so we can keep those cadets in line and like do a pipeline where folks will have jobs from the explorers to maybe crossing guards to the like. So well, yeah, I, I mean, but let's but but right now, can I just talk about crossing can, guards? Yeah. So because that was, it's where they're still out there, like in pain, because they've been ne- negotiating with the city through Cub City Union yes. of Baltimore mm-hmm. for this the end of this fiscal year, they still are negotiating two hours versus four a day. And that will have to change, but it hasn't yet. So that's why it's really important. Um, it's a crossing guard. It, uh, the, the The resolution has, is on the 19th of April at City Hall at 5 o'clock. I believe, yes. and it's called, it's called Crossing Guard Cuts is the name of the resolution if you're looking it up online. And um, we need people to come and support our crossing guards. It's, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to the mayor okay. for Adding taking charge of the yes. budget. Well, I'm on, I just oh, want to thank the mayor for putting that money back into the budget because I, just, I have been getting a lot of calls about them cutting their hours also and, oh, and, yeah. and cutting it from four to two. Um, then you have some schools in my, in my district, I'm sure in the other districts, that there's a safety issue because we don't have crossing guards there. I have some schools that, I mean, there's no crossing guard. I get calls from the principal. It's so dangerous. So I'm so happy that the mayor has put this money back. But we need to make sure we cover all our schools to make sure our yeah. kids get yes, safe. Get you got to make sure back and forth to school. Because you can't, you can't base 
crossing guards on how many, how much traffic or how many kids well, go to the yeah, school. Well, yeah, the we Budget Bureau knocked out corners right. if fewer than 30 children cross there. Yeah. My school over still 30 ridiculous. children crossing. The yeah. monas- but that's 30. 30 children. Yes. The Monastery School over in Guilford and Lanville, they, we've been fighting to get a crossing guard back there for the last three years. Well, then they so should show up at the hearing. Now, so the hearing is when? Tell us again. It is April, April 19th at 5 p.m. City Hall. And if you're coming to the hearing, bring picture ID for admission to City Hall. Don't Fourth floor. Fourth floor. Fourth floor. Well, I think this, well, is this, issue. Yeah. this is an issue for everyone. It's not just if your right. own kids walk to yeah, school. Yeah. Right. Because I drop my kids off. I'm still driving where right. there are kids walking. Right. With no Absolutely. Car. I think it is an issue of the city. So you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I drop my kids off. This is not an issue. It is because you're driving where kids are walking without having problems. And I've never homes. had so many complaints as the last several months about speeding traffic oh, in yes. neighborhoods. But so that many. goes to Ryan, Councilman Ryan Dorsey's whole complete streets, um, uh, what he's trying to do and, and say how important it is that folks walk in the city. We are not afforded many cars. Um, we don't have many cars in District 13 and in many different areas. And so we have to make the city walkable and make sure we have transit, um, um, bicycle paths, everything that are safe for all people, especially those who are and walking. And crossing guards and crosswalks. So, and Crossing guards need to be congratulated because they work hard out on them corners. And they have and it's suffered very dangerous. thinking they're going to lose their yeah, jobs I mean, by going to uh, one hour a morning and one in the afternoon. They can't crazy. negotiate it. They have to check in and check out every time they come and go. I mean, it's now I need to jump in here because yeah. I got to tell people that if they just joined us, they are listening to the Mark Steiner Show here on WEAA 88.9 FM. I'm Dr. K. We are obviously having a city council roundup uh-huh. with, with Councilwoman Snee, Councilwoman Mary Pat Clark, and Councilman Robert Stokes. And we've been talking about the crossing guards bill as well as the bill for subcontractors and as well as Councilwoman Snee's first piece of legislation for displaced service workers protection. In the last 15 minutes or so that we have you, we want to talk about a few other things, uh, if you don't mind. I want to just talk a little bit about school funding because one of the things that people are concerned about is what is happening in the schools and the work that they're trying to do to fill the gap. On Monday, Governor Hogan signed a bill to give city schools extra money, and I believe it's about $23.7 million to help close this gap of $130 million. So Mayor Pugh has said $23.7 million is enough for now, but we still need another three years to get us where we need to go. She's got another $22. That's what I want you to talk about she said 23.7 million from him is enough but where where's the rest of the money coming from Let, let's talk about that because this is also a great concern about what is happening to the schools here in baltimore city i'll start with you councilwoman stokes councilwoman councilwoman mary pat clark <laughs> let's start with you because you jumped in and you were saying mary, oh uh, okay well so, yeah. I, I can't figure out how much of the I, governor hogan has uh has contributed and um, yesterday at, at at the city council, or Monday at the city council lunch, the mayor said uh, twenty eight million to Baltimore. So okay. the, I'll, I take her. You know, she knows. And so, that, that's more recent than newspaper article. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, but the at least it's twenty three point seven or something. Right. And she she actually uh, said I, I think she said twenty eight. Okay, twenty two. Uh, from the city, million. Okay, so that gets us. And then there was thirty million. That was that the uh, CEO Santelisis, um announced. Okay. Early, first so. of all, that she had 
re, she could reduce for, without touching schools, and so that's thirty. So okay, I guess it's around eighty. So it gets yeah, to about, about 80. eighty out of a hundred and thirty million gap that is supposedly in place. Right. Is this enough? To get the schools in Baltimore City, so I feel like I'm answering a question. It's a lot better than it was. It, so, yes. but, but that doesn't say much to a mom who has uh, who's sending uh, her kids to the school every day. Tell me to right? it. It doesn't say much to a teacher either. Yes. So basically, um, the uh, about a, two weeks ago, when the, we started to get these accumulation of money, uh, the the school system sent out revised budgets to principals. One was the getting better budget and one was getting more better if that's wait <laughs> and so that i think there may be that maybe they're on the more better now so basically we don't know how many teachers in every school can be saved until we have a look at all those submissions from principals and that will tell us and i mean i don't know yep. what yep. it is but yep. we're fighting me I'm fighting the first priority has to be teachers back in the yes. schools. No teacher layoffs. Now, maybe we can avoid teacher layoffs if um, enough if some people are retiring or what or whatever. Well, Councilwoman the, Sneed, it's still the 30 million, 30 to 40 million that they're missing though. Yes, and they so, are. So, it, someone some. I just think it, it won't be as many, but somewhere down the line there will be more. But I still say this is an opportunity now that we could get a good footing on uh, what's happening in the school Where district. Where we are. Yeah, and so therefore, you know, the mayor won't be new at that point when we go back. The CEO won't be new because think about it. There are two new folks um, who got hit with the major problem at the beginning. So I'm like, there's clearly a problem um, with the school system. Every year they say they come and ask for money. I just want to make sure that we're on a good path where we don't have to do these layoffs constantly every year, you know, where our year. kids don't have well. to suffer, where they have enough everything that they need in the schools. And I think well, with the mayor trying to take control over the schools and just get a good footing on what's going on, because right now we don't have any say on what happens in the school. We have no well, say. And so that means money's going everywhere. Um, yeah, you know, you the parents wanted choices in the city and you created the charter schools. And when you... Uh, take your kids out of public schools and they go to charter schools. Well, they're public charter yeah. schools. I know, right, but that's seventeen thousand dollars that might be going to that school for that particular child is now leaving. So now you—that's sometimes how you have this population and schools are going down because a lot of. But we got to make all school. If all the schools were good, we wouldn't have charter. Right, we, they wouldn't want to make charter schools. I don't, so I don't we got to make all I schools. Don't, I don't have nothing against charter need, schools. I, mean, I just want to say I want one at a time. Let's okay, I'm not finished. Hold on. Arguments don't work on finished. the radio. All so I'm let's start. Is, Councilman Stokes. Arguments okay. don't work on the radio, so we're going to take it back to you, sir. Go okay, ahead and finish. We, we need to invest in a, in the school budget. I've been saying it for the last 20 years. We invest 15 to 20 percent of our education, our budget in education, and that's what we get now. We finding out that the deficit there. We got to find out where is the waste in the school system. Also, I'm concerned about if we don't get the other 30 million, we still gonna lay off teachers. Every time there's a budget deficit, it's always the teachers and the per, the, the, the the staff that's in the school system, and, and North Avenue is top-heavy, so we need to start looking at where is the waste at in the school system. Well, let me just j jump in for a minute. The problem, let's fight the right fight. 
let's wait. Let's get ourselves to the Kerwin Commission and and work for the proper funding formulas and for annual cost of living increases that the state has held back on for years. And that's why we don't have. That's why we have this deficit right now. Even the current funding formula. Yes, we've lost some population that is per pupil funding that we've lost, and that's because fewer kids in the schools. But by and large, the formula, if it had risen as it's supposed to annually from the state formula, would have carried us through to Kerwin with just minor aches and pains. But we didn't get that funding for several years from the state so let's let's direct our let's not fight with each other let's go let's and let's not even fight let's just <laughs> negotiate smartly with the people that are deciding our fate and that will be in the third year in the two years out from now with a new state funding formula we got to be there so that they are not so that it it favors us in the city and other poorer, quote unquote, subdivisions in the state. It's well, not just us. Now let's get another caller in here. Uh, we have Williams calling about the money for the budget for the school, city school system. Good morning. Welcome to the Mark Steiner Show. Good morning. You have a quick question, sir? Yes, I do. Um, first, I want to say that um, it takes money for to to educate our youth, but. Um, some of the, I'm getting a fever. Some of the um, education that we have already, you know, through the parents, through teachers who are not working, through the community, this education needs to be installed in the children also. Um. What I'm trying to say is yes, money is not the sole, sole means of getting an education and of learning. We have to start doing some things like self-learning okay. and, and um, doing studying on our own. And, you know, because it's coming back to things like that anyway, as you can see how... how um, well, Thank you so much, Williams. I think he raised a good point, this idea that it's not always about looking outwards for answers. Sometimes we need to look for solutions inside of our home. Are we doing a lot of, he said, you know, self-study. We're talking really about, you know, money for libraries. Are there activities for students? Are there things for them to do after school? Other ways that they can get educated after outside of the four walls of programs. the classroom. So now how's that working in your district, Councilwoman Snead? What's in place for students as the summertime begins to approach? What are young people going to be able to do in your district over the summer? So the good thing is, um, and I live right on the line, right across the street from me is actually District 1. And so um, East Baltimore and Southeast Baltimore come together, different nonprofits in our area come together and hire a number of kids right in the area. And so they work, they get Youth Works money and they work right at these different nonprofits. So they have financial classes, they do some um, um, civic duties, basically. They do some... Um, 
cleaning and pruning and planting of trees to beautify our communities. So our kids, if they want, because we know we had over 12,000 kids apply for youth works all over the city. Uh, so there are things for our young people to do. I think Morgan State has programs here for young people yes. to do as well that I know about as a graduate of here. And so it's not that there are nothing. there's nothing to do across our city. We just got to make sure that we blast these opportunities out to our young folks to make sure that they're well aware and that their parents know about these things to, to sign up. And so, we got to make sure that we get these after-school programs. Uh, I haven't looked at the budget yet, but I'm a little bit worried about how much has been allocated, I don't know, for after-school programs. But we we have always expected it the amount to ra ra rise up right. somewhat every year so that more and more of our children can have after-school until finally there's enough for them all. And that's something we don't know yet, but if, it, you know, if there's a problem, we'll all know. Well, I, we have a program, and it's not just for the summer. It's called Open Works that's in my district, and it, it brings right. in people from yeah. all over the city, actually, and it teaches them how they can build a, a desk. Okay. Young people, and you don't know, they might become one of the, the new <laughs> IKEA owners, you know. All right. so, so it's a lot. And then I have UA, which is down on Fed Street, which does just open up Mr. Plank that redid that whole building. And they have a lot of programs there for young people. They have computers, they have finance. And so it's a lot of resources out there. We just need to make sure the problem is that particular UA, as I talk to parents, is the transportation piece is getting the kids there. And I talked to the director, so I'm trying to work on some transportation piece so we can bring those kids that never get an opportunity to go to the, the UA to get the opportunity and see all the programming there so they can take advantage of it. So, I have a uh, question that just came across Facebook for you, uh, Councilman Clark. They were responding to your, your point when you said, let's not argue, let's negotiate. And she's saying she's a mom, and it's really frustrating for her because every time that there seems to be a problem in the city, what ends up getting cut is the money going to the public schools, that it's always impacting her child her teachers, her after-school activities. So she believes maybe arguing is the only way that you can get things done. What I'm not some saying other things you don't you rally. Do? I, 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 you know, we rally. We, we, we um, protest. But I guess what I'm saying is don't fight with each other. I was really responding about oh, okay. charter schools, public schools versus regular public schools. I know there's a tension there. But right now, just like city council, we all kind of be together because – we have to address the state where the funding formula is getting developed. And I'm not, look, I'm a fighter. Um, people are sick <laughs> of the fact that I'm a fighter. But sometimes y you shouldn't fight with each uh, It's distracting if we fight with each other. We need to come together and fight for a common cause, and that's our children. Now, we actually have to leave it there because we are out of time. This is Dr. Quite. K here and for Mark Steiner oh. on the Mark Steiner Show. I want to thank you so much, Councilwoman Shannon Snee from thank District you. 13, Councilman Robert Stokes from District 12, Councilwoman Mary Pat Clark thank from you. District 14. Stay with us after the break. We're going to turn our attention to the DOJ consent decree, and you can still join us at 410-319-8888. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner or leave us a note on our Facebook page. This is Dr. K. We're going to keep listening. Thank you.